Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, Dallas Cowboys fans. This is the Bloggin' the Boys Roundtable. After many, many, many requests, we are officially back. Our first roundtable of the 2022 season every single Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. Central Time. That's 8 p.m. Eastern 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, 1 a.m. in Scotland, as you'll come to realize, is important. We will be live here on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel talking about the latest and greatest in the world of America's team. Of course, my name is RJ Cho from Blog of the Boys. I'll be joined every single week by various BTB staffers. Joining me today on Tuesday, July 26, 2022, going in clockwise order. You hear him every Monday on First and Ten on the Blog of the Boys podcast network, one third of the tripod of that show. It is Antonio Anthony. Catalina, I know it's not Antonio, but I want it to be, so I made it that in my mind. Tony, thanks for joining us. Off on our top right corner, uh, coming in in an impressive six foot four, lean, two hundred five pound frame, the world heavyweight champion. You read him at bloggingtheboys.com. You hear him on Thursday on Riled Up on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. It is the OG Tom Ryle down in the southeast quadrant, hailing all the way from the motherland in Scotland. You hear him on now Saturdays, the world's team with Meg Murray, of course, uh, also one and a half of Girls Talking Boys. He is Paul Stewart. Thank you so much for being with us, Paul. He's the one staying up really late. He's actually in Wednesday already, so don't tell us any spoilers about the future, Paul. And then appropriately kind of the opposite corner of the southeast from the northwest part of our country you see him all, of course all over the pages of bloggingtheboys.com one of our older veterans when it comes to uh blogging the boys and it's not in, in the world of life he's a young stallion uh when it comes to uh to just general human life uh you can hear him on fridays on the blog of the boys podcast network all these guys are available on the blog of the boys podcast network search for us wherever you get your podcast leave a rating write a review it is danny phantom from the star seminar danny we start with you how is your tuesday going Welcome back to the roundtable. You know, it's going well. It's been really busy. Um, so I'm actually glad to kind of like take a take a breath and actually get into some cowboy stuff. So I'm just I'm real excited about uh, this next hour of, of my time. Sure. Well, the uh, the Dallas Cowboys are in Oxnard, California, so closer to your neck of the woods than usual. We have a lot of things to get to because the Cowboys did hold their annual State of the Cowboys opening training camp press conference. We had a live reaction show to that. You can go watch that on the, on the Blog on the Boys YouTube channel as well. Um, Brian Simmons joins and says, I'm the first like, yeah, LOL. Everybody should be like Brian, like the video, subscribe to the Blog on the Boys YouTube channel so you don't miss any of our wonderful content. Uh, before we get started in the subject matter, uh, if you are familiar with the roundtable, by the way, you can also listen to this show on the podcast network. You don't have to watch. We make sure it's available in different ways for you. Um, there is a winner every, every single roundtable. I'm exempt from this. I'm, I'm just the, the handsome debonair host um, to, to use uh, 
Tom's words, really, not, not mine. Uh, but uh, but I will moderate, and I will make sure that we fairly, appropriately, and democratically assign a winner for each roundtable. So uh, around the horn style, you guys are going to get points. Every time you say something cool or whatever, I'm going to tabulate points. If the listeners, the viewers that are with us live want to give you points, if anybody comments, you know, Tom, two points, I will give Tom two points. Obviously, within reason, if you're throwing out hundreds or thousands of points in, in one fell swoop, well, you know, that's not going to work. So be smart with your uh, your adoration for your favorite BT beer. At the end of the roundtable, we'll assign a winner. But boys, a new wrinkle to the roundtable this year is the duel. If somebody says something that you disagree with, that you don't like, frankly, that you find stupid, you can challenge them to a duel. And you can challenge them for however many points you'd like. The maximum, though, is the minimum that one of you has. So hypothetically, if Tony wants to challenge Tom, Tony has five points at that particular moment. Tom has seven points. Tony can only wager five points. And whoever wins that particular duel, everybody not named RJ in the roundtable will vote on who wins gets all of the points. It's an all for not. You can wipe out your opponent as much as you wish. Does everybody understand the rules? Yep, sounds good. Yep. All right, so we're all starting. That's what you know. What Tom? I'm not going to do that this year. All right, again, you know, I'm a new new man. I'm, uh, this first round table um, of the season, so I you know I want to get off on the right foot. So to start things off, everybody gets a point. You're all at one. All right, so congratulations. Everybody's got their first point of 2022. Clayton Lockhart says, "What's up, my peeps of the round table? I just smashed." That like button. Glad to have the roundtable back. Thank you, Clayton, for liking us. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive in. Whoever wants this, take it. I'm just like Joker style, throw in the pool cues in the middle. We've got an open spot on the team. Uh, JT says, hey, guys, thoughts on Cole Beasley? This was not related to the press conference, but as soon as it was over, basically, uh, Cole Beasley actually quote tweeted, Tom, your co-host, Roy White, on our podcast network. Roy speculated on, on whether or not Cole Beasley would want to rejoin the Cowboys, obviously a current free agent. Cole quoted that and said, I would only want to be back to play with Dak Prescott, given that Dak is the quarterback of the team. It stands to reason that he has some level of interest. So whoever wants to take this, remember, there is a winner. Go. I'll go ahead and say, since Roy White was involved, and I want to, you know, stand up for my brother. I don't understand why Cole Beasley would be welcome back to the Cowboys if Amari Cooper wasn't because they both had a very significant issue that mm. had a lot to do with they both play receiver playing. in the NFL. Yes, yeah. that's the issue in question, right? Yeah, that's the it's the issue we don't talk about here to keep things down to a, to a dull roar. Um I just don't know what necessarily if he is what they need, but I'm not too sure that the Jones family would be willing to take him on board and possibly have to address the same kind of an issue with various other weird, nasty bugs cropping up out there. Uh, and, you know, do they need, do they need that, that slot guy? I think he can still contribute as a football player. Mike McCarthy just seems to be trying to head a very specific way with his locker room and his culture. And I just don't think he's really on the table with the Cowboys. Yeah, I agree with Tom. I'm uh, I'm sour on Beasley. I don't I don't want anything to do with him. Uh, I don't think he's that great, and I don't think that he would really give the Cowboys anything. Because I honestly, I think how they utilize Dalton Schultz is, to, you know, to me, I think Beasley wouldn't add very much. Um, you know, he doesn't like our 
facility. We know that. Um, and another thing that I don't like, and I kind of like, I saw the tweet, and he would he was kind of like, you know, well, you know, I'd play with Dak. I mean, almost insinuate, you know, that's what it, you know would take because I don't really like the organization th- themselves. But you know, to play with Dak, I maybe I would do it. So to me, you know what, Cole, just go play somewhere else. I don't want them. Don't need them. Cowboys, they don't need them. So good riddance. Tony, um, Cole Beasley did take a shot for any. Again, I, I think it's important to catch people up because it's been a few years at this point. He he said that the Bills. He didn't say the Cowboys had trash facilities. He said the Bills had world class facilities, which is a point that's actually been proven. Um, Cole Beasley, on the subject of Dak, by the way, said very early in the process when once he joined the Mafia that Josh Allen was the greatest athlete he had ever played with. And again, a lot of Cowboys fans at that time had, had some qualms with that and thought that that was a shot at Dak. Um, but again, that has also kind of aged rather well. Um, so. Cole definitely, you know, wore his heart on his sleeve is maybe the the most politically, you know, nice way we could say it. Politics are obviously involved here to Tom's, um, you know, implication. Um, but Tony, you're kind of that, that like, you know, Tony Soprano vibe, like, you know, I, I forgive, but I'll never forget. Like, you know, so like I could see you kind of being like, you know what? I don't want anything to do with this dude. I don't want him taking away slot snaps from CD Lamb. Yeah, it, it's, you know, I'm all in the business of, bringing in quality football players, um, un- but understanding totally that, you know, there may have been a bridge that he burned. And I, I, I don't really hold too much ill will to what Cole Beasley said, because what is he supposed to say in Buffalo? Like, actually, the last place I was at was much better. They had better food. They had better trainers. Like, it's it's not, you know, you don't really put any stock in it. Um, what comes down to me is you're right. Like, it's he's messy. You know, there's been messy situations everywhere he's been. You know, he's kind of... You know, he's been talked out of retirement when he was in Dallas. You know, he mm-hmm. goes to Buffalo and he says certain things and does certain things. So it's been more uh, trouble than it's worth. Um, ultimately, I think they look at it as a player that's on the field and is he in his, um, you know, past his prime, so to speak. And ultimately, the Cowboys, they, they got to put football players on the field and people that can help. And, you know, we're not really in the business of <laughs> trying to get any more distractions at this point. Paul, um, all three of these guys on the same side of this argument, and creativity is a factor in in the awarding of points, just so everyone's aware. Um, the wide receiver, again, I think objectively, we can all agree with everything that everyone has said, but objectively, he would improve the wide receiver room. It is an area, if you had to pick one on the roster where the Cowboys should pursue a veteran free agent, it's not going to be Julio Jones. He's a member of the Buccaneers now. Cole Beasley would, in an objective sense, improve the quality of the wide receiver room, especially Michael Gallup, expected him his time at the beginning of the season. Is it worth that to you, Paul? Financially, no, because he's probably want more money than you could probably get from an undrafted. Wow, Stephen Jones has entered the chat. Interesting that he's all the way in Scotland. All right. No, like, and do you know what's even kind of more embarrassing right now? I've actually got a same Cole Beasley jersey right there behind me, but same my light. So that's definitely getting shunt away right now. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm with everyone on the board on this one. Like, with the comments he made uh, when he was at Buffalo saying it was a better facility, etc., etc. I just he's had the shot at Dallas. There's no need for him to come back. There's no need. Like, you could probably get someone else in a much more cheaper deal and probably actually be more younger, faster, and probably be more effective than Cole right now. That's my end of the stick. Okay. Well. Um... You know what, Paul? I 
think that you missed out on a point. Um, JT said, got to give Paul a point so far, though, because he's right. What else are you supposed to say about a new job? Ha ha. JT, I think you mean Tony. Tony was the person who said that, you know, what else is Cole supposed to say? Uh, you know, whatever. He's at a new place, blah, blah, blah. So, Tony, uh, you've been given a point by, um, you know, one of our, our, you know, loyal viewers. So congratulations, Tony, off to the early lead uh, with two points. Um, Tom, I'm going to give you a point for going first. Um, that showed initiative. Uh, so I like that. So now Tony's tied for the lead. Paul, Dan, behind, but still a lot of show left. Lots of game uh, to kind of get back in the mix. So, um, you know, that was not related to the press conference. And, and obviously, you know, we've discussed the press conference a little bit here on the channel, but we need to get everybody's involvement here, everybody's thoughts, because it was – kind of uncomfortable um i mean I, i've watched a lot of dallas cowboys press conferences in my day um and the tenor of it was was somewhat weird um and you know jerry jones i thought i said this in our reaction video fellas it really felt like he had and, and tom i know you watched it um with, with you know heavy um heavy attention it, it felt like jerry had read everything and seen everything and listened to everything that, that everyone has been saying about his team so far this offseason and it felt like he came out with with every you know ounce of ability that he could to try to dispel all those notions i think he did a terrible job at it but it, it still seemed like his intention um and so the first thing um and and again free for all let's just do this let's just get wild let's get weird it's a new year jerry jones defended mike mccarthy Sort of is what our prompt says. Um, for anyone who missed it, Jerry Jones, one of his very first things he said, he defended Mike McCarthy. He said that he is the coach of the Dallas Cowboys and that he has him as the coach of the Dallas Cowboys because he believes he can win a Super Bowl. If he had ended the sentence right there, nobody would have cared. Nobody would have given a damn. It would have been, you know, boy, Jerry Jones, good job. You finally did it. And then Jerry Jones goes on to say, but I had choices. Whoa, Jerry, what are you doing, man? Like, why, why, why are you casting this down out here like this? What's more is for anyone who's unaware, earlier this week, uh, an interview with Mike McCarthy appeared in the Dallas Morning News where McCarthy specifically noted that he was irritated that he is being asked about the state of his job. He said that it, he called it a media-driven narrative. I don't think it's media-driven. I think it's Jerry Jones-driven. Jerry Jones, after the press conference, and again, this is where any of you can jump in here, he said that, and, and we've heard this before, he has kind of used this line of logic, he specifically left Mike McCarthy floundering in the wind in an effort to keep Dan Quinn and I suppose we can kind of follow that logic but it makes his head coach look like a putz and I don't know anybody who's in the business of making the most important person in their building look like that except for Jerry Jones and then for him to come back here and be like you guys are crazy you guys are the ones stirring this pot no I this was a really you know you guys Tony used the word messy to describe Cole Beasley this was a really messy affair from Jerry Jones regarding Mike McCarthy RJ, I think you just missed one key important fact as well. It's the fact. Wow, that negative you... five points, Tom. Or Paul, jeez, how dare you? Oh no, 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 no negative. <laughs> but it's it's like one key fact that Jerry Jones says he was not willing to give an extension as well. That's yeah, that's right. I yeah. mean, you think other coaches in the NFL have gotten extensions, and Mike McCarthy has not, and so that serves to the point as well. Tom, you were going. Yeah, but he's only in the third year of a five-year deal. It's a little early to be talking about an extension, especially since we don't know where this team is really going this season. And I think that was, to me, that was a little bit of baiting Jerry, trying to stir up something. Um, and I, I thought that was not really highly pertinent uh, at, the, at the time. So I didn't think that is something that needs to be addressed right now. Next year, that might be a question to, to ask if things go well this year. But until then, mm -hmm. I don't think that was really something to bring up. You know, what's interesting to me is 
Jerry Jones sets himself up, right? It, you, there's opportunities. Like, he presents and gives these conversations um, a chance for, you know, you look at the way he talks and you're like, okay, Jerry, you could really set it straight or you can find a way to give Mike McCarthy a boost of confidence here. And even when you think he does or you think he did, it's it's not, you know, confidence boosting at all. And you're sitting there, it's like, okay, everything that we're talking about is validated by in the words that you're speaking, the things that you're saying. Dan. Yeah, we gotta, you got to remember that Jerry Jones doesn't know how to talk right. I mean, he's going to say things and they're going to mean different things to us than what he's trying to say. So, I mean, I didn't see the co- press conference, so I can't really, you know, put my Jerry, Jerry speak, try to translate it. But from what it sounds like, you know, it's, and Tony got a point for this. I'll just want to point out, but you know, what else is he supposed to say when it comes to like, you know, supporting this coach? And I'm sure they'll get tired of it. And I do think it, I, I do, I hate to disagree with the guy giving away, given away the points, but I do think it's media, media driven. I, was, I wish they would stop asking these silly questions. I feel bad for but McCarthy. To, to that to that point, Dan, I'm with you. Like, I'm not saying the media is not at fault. Like, Jerry Jones appeared on 105 through the fan as soon as the season ended against 49ers, and he was asked, right? And I think, you know, so some would say, like, hey, that's a ridiculous question. The Cowboys just won 12 games. They won the NFC East. I know the, they lost in the playoffs, but still, like, what are you doing? Nobody's asking, you know, Zach Taylor if his if his job's in jeopardy because the Bengals lost the Super Bowl, right? Like, if you're a playoff team, that should come with some cachet. So I'm with you in that sense. But if Jerry were truly – he half said – that he's, Jerry cannot have his cake and eat it too here. He comes out and says, this is the coach that I believe can win the Super Bowl. If that's the case, then the moment you're asked that question, you have to say, what are you talking about, guys? This coach just won 12 games. He just won the NFC East. Why would I be considering making a change? I believe this guy can win the Super Bowl. So th- there is some flip-flopping that's happening here, and maybe it's because Jerry wants to keep the Cowboys in the conversation. Clayton Lockhart in our comment section says that he de- says and does whatever is necessary to keep the Cowboys the subject of conversation for everyone. I think we all, at least to some degree, believe that that's what Jerry did when he left Mike McCarthy to flounder, whether it was even partly to keep Dan Quinn around. Again, like my point, and I mentioned this on the NFC's mixtape, and this episode will come out on the podcast network on Wednesday uh, with Brandon Gotten from, from Bleeding Green Nation. But look, I love Dan Quinn. I know we all love Dan Quinn. But if you're Jerry Jones, and Dan, I know you didn't watch the press conference. He, that was his exact quote. He said, I have Mike McCarthy here because I believe he can he can be the coach. There. He is the coach that will lead us to the Super Bowl. Whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm somewhat butchering it. If that's the case, then to hell with Dan Quinn. I mean, if that's the if you believe that 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 Mike McCarthy is the head coach to win the Super Bowl for you, then 100 out of 100 times you choose him over Dan Quinn because that's your guy. I, we all love Dan Quinn, and I'm not saying like the, the Cowboys should have moved on. It was a big deal that they were able to retain him, but. Mike McCarthy is far more important in the priority ladder than Dan Quinn, and Jerry didn't act that way. So he he can't he can't sell both sides of this story. They they conflict with one another. Is my point, right? And then he can't. You're right. And I and I think, but what's happening is he's. I don't think he believes in McCarthy, but I think he he he's he wants to, and he's going to try to, and he's going to say that he does for this last season of McCarthy's. And I I think that, but you know sometimes Jerry's honesty comes through. It's it sneaks out, and so you're absolutely right. I mean he he does that to himself. But I mean, that's, I believe that's what Jerry feels, but right now in this moment, it's all about Mike McCarthy and that's really all that matters. And there shouldn't be any talk about anything else until after the season. Then, I mean, the reason that the conversation continued today, and again, this is my point, is because Jerry didn't just say, he's my guy. Uh, he's the coach going to the Super Bowl. He said, and I had choices. And then right. after the press conference is over, he comes out and even adds, well, the whole reason I did this, like, none of that's necessary. And you're right. Some of that's Jerry Jones. But then maybe, Jerry, you should adjust the way you're being. And I know people have been saying this for a quarter century. I'm not breaking news to anybody. But, I mean, it, 
if 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 the media is partly responsible, I think it's an 80-20 split. I think that the media is responsible for 20% of this this mess. I mean, we know that it irritates Mike McCarthy and his direct superior in this job is is I think 80% responsible for all the dysfunction that's encircling him at the moment. Yeah, but Jerry's Jerry's never going to keep it short and like you spoke on it. That's Jerry that's Jerry being Jerry and I think that's just you know, and I'll tell you what, media knows Jerry's going to be Jerry, so they're going to they're going to you know, stick that line out there because they know he's going to take it. I disagree with Dan, but a point for believing in his idea. So Dan is up to three. Uh, anybody else have anything to add here? Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't it always feel like Jerry Jones is like a word or two too long? Like you could have been like, I support Mike McCarthy. If you stop right there, everyone's like, ah. And then he's like, but I had options, though, and I could have done this. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to deduct well, a thanks, point from you, man. Tony. Nobody knows this, but you did tell us privately that your AirPods went out. Um, that oh. we said that. So, <laughs> so I'm enough. not going to de- deduct a point for the redundancy, <laughs> but you're right. I mean, just just so that nobody, I don't want anybody to be like, what the hell is Tony doing? They just said that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it was a technical issue. Wasn't Tony's fault. No points lost there. Um, anybody else want to go to bat for page. Jerry or McCarthy? Yeah. Um, for me, Jerry is pretty much being like the media orchestra uh, for this right now. Like he's basically bad. Like if that's one thing Jerry does very, very well is keeping the Cowboys within the mainstream media. Like he did it with Zeke years ago with the whole v- uh, Zeke who or that. Now he's doing it with Mike McCarthy. Like how many times has Jerry just turned from what should have been a simple solution, just saying he's my guy, that's it. But he went prolonged it added unnecessary comments and it's now became a media spur pretty much so i'm not too thrilled about it tom along those lines and then we'll, we'll move on um by the way ruse says yes paul conducting the orchestra all right ruse throwing you know what two points because i like the musical reference there for paul so paul's up to four he's our leader at the moment tom i you and i were kind of agreeing on twitter as this was unfolding live I really, and you, you nodded when I said this at the very beginning, that Jerry was just kind of addressing everything that's been said about his team over, over this whole offseason. It, it really felt like that fell on deaf ears today. I, I, I don't know anybody. I mean, I'm, obviously, there's, there's a sector of fans that are going to kind of lap up and take everything no matter what. But it really felt like it, it was just all, not a facade, but, but it just all was, I think, you know, we've, we've talked, Tom, about, you know, people are more apathetic. People are, are less believing. People are still interested, but, but they trust less, however you want to put it. And I feel like that's on display here. I feel like nobody bought this. Like Jerry may have been able, not even may, Jerry was absolutely capable of charming people into believing whatever in the past, but that that didn't really happen today, I thought. Yeah, as as I mentioned earlier, almost everything that was in the uh, press conference could have been cut and lifted from a previous press conference over the past few years. We've heard all of this before. We've heard him stand by the coach that he thought was going to take him to the Super you know, we've we've heard him, we've heard Stephen Jones give his explanations about how he's the smartest cap manager in the NFL, and how he's doing it the right way, and how he thinks he's really helped their team by doing nothing in free agency. We've heard it. It's it's tiring. It's wearisome, and a lot of us just aren't buying it the same way. And and you know, my excitement level just hasn't happened with the Cowboys. Tom, I've got. Two more points for you. Tom's up to six now, everybody. It's getting competitive in here. Just to add on top what uh, Tom just said there, it, it generally feels like it's a rerun of a speech, like a rewrite of the original. Like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's how bad it is. 
I feel like JT says it is tiresome. I feel like Drew Barrymore in Fifty First Dates. Like we're just living the same day over and over and over and over again. Like and, and the people, like the one. people around us are, are kind enough to acquiesce to that. Print the same paper. Get a pineapple for us. Uh, I forget the other details in the movie, but I mean, like we we need the the intervention. We need we need Adam Sandler is really what I've learned um, in this process. So uh, let's move on. I'm going to give Dan three points here, and Dan currently has. Uh, three so he's up to six at this point tie with Tom for the lead and giving Dan the lead for initiative I gave all these guys 24 hours notice to offer questions or uh, you know things they wanted to discuss Dan offered something specific and so other guys learn something from Dan all right and just so you know this is a live thing if you have a, something specific you want to talk about message it to me privately in our, our chat client and I'll get it prepped here for the show for us to discuss as we continue to move on but Dan you wanted to talk about I know you didn't get to see it Jerry Jones did have a line that um, what we'll say was met with consternation um, on Twitter.com. He said that he believes that the Dallas Cowboys are better this season today than they were at this time last year. You can word that however you want, but the point is Jerry Jones believes the talent of the Cowboys is better right now than it was entering training camp a year ago. Dan, this was your point. You wanted to talk about this. You got three points for initiative to start things off. The floor is yours. Yeah. You know what? I, I don't think he's wrong. I, uh, I know that this isn't going to be a very popular opinion, but I think the Cowboys are a better team. And I mean, if you if you really break things down, and it takes it takes you kind of laying everything out there, you know, you look at this is going to be year two of Quinn, you know, and he's got, I know you say, well, we got all the same players, basically, yeah, we do, but we have Curse and Hooker, you know, in his system longer. They're going to be more seasoned, ready to go. You look at we're going to have Tank for for more games, and because he missed a lot of time, Micah probably will be challenging for defensive player of the year. Again, he's only going to get better. I like what we have, you know, with uh, Osa. I think he'll be better this year. I think Neville beefed up. He could be better as in, in the nose spot. And then you turn things around on the other side, and you got an approved left guard because that's got to be better. And then the biggest thing of all, and this is the, this is why we are better, is we are going to have a better quarterback. And that's because we're going to have a healthy Dak Prescott, and that's going to change everything. You know, the Cowboys were already a good team, and, you know, they, they made it to the playoffs, and they could have made a run if they played a little better. Were they a Super Bowl team? Eh, but they were a contender. And I think that nothing's going to change this year. I think that they're going to be up there again contending. Will that will they win a Super Bowl? Eh, I don't know. But I think they're going to be just as good, if not better, than last year. So, Jerry Jones, I think he got something right. All right, so before we dive in and dissect, a show of hands, um, and if you're watching along live with us, if, if you're – you know, watching or listening later, you can certainly let us know. Um, but uh, if you're with us live, it, obviously the panelists, please show us your hands. If you're in the comments, please let us know with your words. Who agrees? Raise your hand if you agree. The Dallas Cowboys are better today than they were this day. Dan, you don't have to raise your hand. We already know you agree. Uh, but, uh, but who agrees the Dallas Cowboys are better today than they were at this time last year? Go. All right. So the podcast audience cannot see. Dan, I agree with you. Um, I think it's Again, this is just Jerry being Jerry, not understanding that when you say this right now, especially coming off the heels of the offseason that you've had, you're going to get a lot of ro eyes rolling. And to be fair, I think that I, I wouldn't use this verbiage. I would say that they that they are more known quantities. A year ago, we in no way trusted anybody along the defense the way we, we have this sort of implied and implicit trust with Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs, maybe Demarcus Lawrence if you want to throw him in there. I think people were, were somewhat high on Leighton Vanish. But a year ago, this defense had Jalen Smith as a significant part of it at this time of year. I mean, like that's, that's worth saying. So this defense is certainly more trustworthy. The offense, I will not deny, is I think worse on paper. It's difficult. There are a lot of question marks. I don't know that I think they're better at left guard right now, Dan. That I do disagree with you. I'm not saying Tyler 
Smith can't become better than Connor Williams. I've maintained I'm one of the only BTBers who somehow sang the the songs of praise for Connor Williams on and on and on. I think he was vilified and, and I think overrated in a bad sense because of all the penalties and things like that. But he was a very solid player for four years. Obviously, Amari Cooper being gone, we can talk about political reasons and whatnot, but he is an absence that is going to be felt, especially without Michael Gallup on the field early on. I have no idea how much I trust Terrence Steele. I know we've seen him a lot and I know Lyle Collins has some availability issues. We'll get to that point in a little bit, but he was a very good player. And so I think the Cowboys have regressed on offense. I certainly trust Dak Prescott to your point, Dan, but they are relying on him being Superman and he maybe can be, but it's a very unlikely thing that he can do that week in and week out because I don't think anybody can. It's not like Dak's not good enough. It's just impossible to do in the NFL. So I think they're more known. I think they're better in that sense, uh, but I do think that they're they're more shallow from a depth perspective. So I kind of agree with the statement, um, but, but again, I, I don't think that's where Jerry was coming from specifically. I think he's trying to sell us something just because of the way things are going, but um, let's see. Zachary says, I think RD is going to be a force at least. Clayton says, thumbs up. As long as the quarterback stays healthy, we are better. JT says, I don't trust Terrence Steele. I still remember 2020. Um, and uh, yeah, so who else wants to go? I, yep. I just want to say that the, the problem with the defense is I think they're going to have to be better to stay the same. And that's because last season they lived and died on takeaways. And that is something that is almost certainly going to see a regression to the mean. They still could be quite good at takeaways, but I don't think they're going to lead the league. And if they're not leading the league in takeaways, they're going to have to be better at fundamentals at stopping the run at covering the pass at getting to the pass rusher uh, and then on offense it just there's just so many what ifs somebody asked earlier about what if cd gets hurt they got to that to that point tom there. three points for tom because he took care of our super chatter jt thank you very much for the super chat tom not to totally interrupt but this is your point jt saying i have to super if you guys are doing a whole segment for my question what happens if cd gets hurt long term tank this season or trade for a receiver that is a question tom to your point that is one of the the sort of loose ends that is lingering if cd lamb gets hurt if if their perfect plan falls apart they are a little bit up a creek at a very important position yeah and and injuries are the scary thing you know, uh, when you're relying on certain players to come out and have a monster year, then you're risking losing one of them. You never can predict that. You hope it doesn't happen, but it's it, it adds a little element of uncertainty, even fear, about what about the things that go wrong? This is the time of year where everybody is looking at what could go right, and the regular season when you find out the things that aren't going to go right. And that's kind of where they are. I think the Cowboys have too many questions on offense and were too reliant on takeaways last year. I don't think they're in a better position. I don't think they're in a horrible position, but I think they're going to have to fight off the rest of the division more than they did last year when they just pretty much trounced everybody. See, I'm kind of in somewhat 50-50. I agree with uh, yourself, Tom, and I agree with Dan. Like, I think if you are looking from the outside perspective of what you're dissecting the squad in terms of growing it like next year under Stan Quinn and stuff like that, yeah, I can see it being a, an improvement. Maybe not so much takeaways. I completely get that. But I think from fans, like, what have we done to bring players in? Have we done enough to bring new injection in? Like, from overall, like, free agency? That's the big question. Answer is really no, we haven't. We completely blundered that. So I can see fans would actually be 
how can our squad be better if we haven't brought in new injection of blood into the squad? Yeah, but but the answer is always no to that question, though, Paul. I mean, and, and look at we look at what we did. We got about contribution from players like Curse and Watkins, yeah. and so. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. But that's, that's a point. That's, that's, I know t- Tom and I share that point. I, I We worry that that serves to their detriment this season that that Stephen Jones, you know, is of the belief, Oh, Hey, this methodology worked out, baby. Watch out. James Washington, Dante Fowler, they're this year's versions, you know, that, that this fed the idea that, you know, picking off the, the low hanging fruit, sometimes the lowest hanging fruit is the sweetest, but, but in this case, it, it might not always be, um, Tony, you, you, you're last to go here. So if you want some points, yeah. you better do something special. Um, yeah. do you agree that they're better? Do you see that argument? Is it foolish? Like where, where do you land? No, I mean, nothing that Danny Phantom says is ever foolish. I think he puts a lot of thought into his points. And I two points for for courtesy and kindness, respect. (laughs) You know, my thing is, I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with the Dak Prescott assessment. I think he's going to be better this year. And I I truly believe that this is could be and has a chance to be one of his best seasons, if not his best season. Where we differ a little bit is, I think wide receiver is paper thin. I think we all know that we're like one injury away from like Tony Pollard being almost a full-time wide receiver at this point. Right. He should be one anyway. Why, who cares? Why, why wait for someone to get injured? Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. But, but now you have to get a little more creative and they should, right. I mean, Tony Pollard is that type of player. You should get as many touches manufacture as many times as you can, but offensive line, there's question marks, more question marks than there's been. If Tyron Smith is out, like, is it Tyler Smith kicks out the left tackle and then who's playing left guard? Is it Connor McGovern? We we know that he didn't look great there. And then you look at tight end. Blake Jarwin isn't here. So you can even have an argument that even tight end's a little thinner now. It's Yes, I feel really good about the defense. I absolutely love the secondary. I love the cornerbacks. I love the safeties. And what a night and day difference from a year about how we feel about the secondary. Um, linebacker is paper thin. 
right? I mean, Jabril Cox coming back from an ACL injury, Michael Parsons being more of a hybrid player. Tony, it's tough. I, I, it's, I, I want to interrupt you very, very briefly uh, because something you guys had on first and 10 that I don't think got enough attention. I tweeted about this late on Monday night. So you guys, uh, Tony does a show every Monday on our network with Aiden Davis and Dave Sturgio. And this week on first and 10, they had on Michael Gelkin from the Dallas Morning News and Kyle Yeomans at DallasCowboys.com. Michael Gelkin is arguably the most plugged in Dallas Cowboys insider on the Cowboys beat. And he talked about Jabril Cox and you guys were talking about him. And he specifically said, look, he didn't say like, if people need to pump the brakes, these are my words, not his. But he said, look, I mean, when he got hurt last year, he, he was still still playing on special teams like like he he wasn't this defensive superstar quite yet so he has all this road to come back from from just the injury and and Gelkin said that you know they might just ease him in from a special team standpoint like I think people Tony to that point have just kind of assumed oh well Jabril Cox is coming in boom linebackers taken care of that might not be the case right away Right, and, and then the part is it's it's almost unfair to assume he's going to come in and make a massive defensive impact anyway right. I think we all would love Three for points. that to happen you know, so for that to happen would be great. And I think a lot of what Dan says is based on the fact that we're going to hit on all these guys, right? You know, Neville Gallimore is going to take that leap and Michael Parsons is going to be another freak and Trayvon Diggs is not going to, you know, he's going to have to be a double digit uh, interception guy or, or be better, you know, is so to, so to speak in coverage. Um, it's just a lot has to go right. And like you mentioned, RJ, they're paper thin. Like they don't, they're not as deep in the back end. And if anything were to go wrong injury wise, it just puts them in a tighter, scarier situation. And that's why people like myself were hoping they'd spend a little bit more of the pie because at least I'm not looking for big names, but I feel like they haven't done enough to share the back end, maybe the second, you know, second level of this team. All right. An update on where we're at from a point standpoint. Uh, we are tied for the lead. We have a tie uh, between Tony and Tom. A very contentious battle happening at the top of this screen. Uh, but Paul, Dan, stay confident. You're still in the mix. Dan, I've got you down for eight points at the moment. You picked up a lot. You had a lot of ground to make up from early on. But this question really instilled and incited some debate and some discussion. So good for you being a leader, being the first one to kind of, you know, be a trailblazer and, and ask a question yourself and put it to the group and challenge your, your competitors. Paul, got you down for seven points. That's okay. There's a lot of game left. Seven. Monica Geller, what up? Uh, but in fact, speaking of Paul, uh, Paul now gets three points. So Dan, you're left in last place for now. There's a three-way tie at the very top. Um, I, Paul, I, I tried to word this in, in a way that, that made sense yeah. um, off your private message to me. Um, and th this was the headline that what I'm putting on the screen, that Jerry Jones kind of took a shot at Amari Cooper, Lyle Collins, and Randy Gregory. Um, he talked about availability being a big reason why the Cowboys made the decisions that they did in the offseason. I don't think it takes a genius or, or any of us to be road scholars to look at, at these players and, and understand why the Cowboys moved on. Amari Cooper missed games. We already talked about the political element to that. Lyle Collins very, very infamously missed games, missed the entire 2020 season, is now on the NFI list with the Cincinnati Bengals. Randy Gregory's on the pump list for the Denver Broncos at the current moment obviously had a lot of missed time with the Cowboys those are different factors but still it is the case uh but Paul this this did feel like a shot because it, there was no real reason to kind of attack their availability at this point they're, they're not around they're on different teams and as a lot of people pointed out there's a little bit of hypocrisy happening here the Cowboys wanted to keep Randy Gregory they had a contract laid out for him so they can't pretend like oh wow we wanted nothing to do with this dude availability is a big question mark for his so uh you got the points to start this question off Paul the floor is yours yeah, the, the, the main one for me is Amari Cooper, right? He, he came out and said, we lost these certain players. We lost. No, you didn't, Jerry. You traded Amari Cooper. You didn't lose him. You traded him. That really annoyed a living hell of me when I was watching that press conference. I really wanted to throw All my right. remote control. Two more points for emotion. I like this. Keep going, Paul. 
So, and he kept iterating the, the word lost or lost out on certain players and stuff like that. I'm, I'm just, I'm just sitting there watching my television, just like, what is like, no, you either traded away or you had lost out every opportunity to re sign this player, i.e., Randy Gregory. You could have signed him from game four of the season onwards, not to the last point of the, uh, uh, like going up to the draft and stuff like that. And he's off to Denver now. Like, he had every opportunity to sign these players. So you didn't, you didn't lose, you didn't, they didn't lost or lose them. You just didn't bother your backside to do anything, Jerry. That's it. Mm. Sorry, I had to, had to rant there. I had to rant. <laughs> yeah, I think you could take the sort of out of here. I feel like the the shot was almost like it landed and hit the target. I think the only one who caught a little stray was Randy Gregory. I feel like this was more so for Amari Cooper and Lyle Collins because yeah. we saw there was no, you know, it, it, we always kind of like, oh, where's the leak in the camp for the Dallas Cowboys? Because we know that every move before <laughs> it happens, but now it's like, no, they were making it crystal clear how they were handling these two guys' situations. I think the Randy Gregory situation was unfortunate how it unfolded, but yeah. when, when Jerry speaks, you got to listen to it. You got to listen through the, the Jerryisms a little bit. And I think he was talking to them directly. Yeah. And there's another bit of hypocrisy because it's not really availability. It was, it was something else. They re-signed Demarcus Lawrence and Michael Gallup, and they certainly had availability issues last year. So there's obviously something else really that's at the root of it. And I think it's, for lack of a better word, Jerry and Steven got their feelings a little bit hurt with these players. So, you know, I think that's kind of where this was coming from. It was pity and probably very unnecessary. I, I do agree, Tom, and, and Dan, we'll, we'll put it to you to kind of you know, tie a bow on this um, as, as you look to get back in the point game here. But it, that's if that's the best way. Actually, Tom, two more points for that. I love that. It, the whole thing felt like and smelled like like they got their feelings hurt, like like they ha- are just tired. They're sick of people saying, you know, and I think some things are a little bit overdone, like like things like Catboy and stuff like that. Like we, we can we can be upset about the way they handle the team without, you know, taking personal shots and things like that. But. I mean, I, I, it really felt like they are bothered. Like they, they really believe not only that they are the smartest people in the room, but that how, how dare any, how dare any of the, the, the subjects of the kingdom question what, what the, what the mighty royal court decides to do. We should all just, you know, silently accept it and be thankful for our opportunity to live throughout the palace and, and to walk along the same halls. Yeah, and I, I, I do agree that they feel that way, but also at the same time feel that. They kind of have a little bit of credit, you know. I mean, because the Cowboys don't make a lot of mistakes where they make these decisions and that comes back to bite them. They they actually make pretty good decisions overall. And I will say this: I don't know that it's necessarily just availability, but just, I think it comes down to value over replacement. And when you look at when you look at taking count of these players' availability, and like of course, you know, Lyle Collins is an example. You know, you're paying him ten million dollars to be your swing tackle, sort so to speak, or and then you look at um, like what they expect from Armstrong compared to what Gregory usually gives you on a given year because he doesn't play every game. And uh, and with Cooper too. And uh, now this that's one that's a little bit I'm a little bit different on because I I think highly of Cooper. However, if Dak don't throw him the ball, then he he doesn't be, he's no longer the number one. Then he's a different player. And now you look at the value of a replacement. And is he worth twenty million now? So I don't know. I, to me, I don't. I don't have a problem with the Cowboys, 
you know, making the decisions they have. With the Gregory thing, I, I think that debacle is still a lot of that is is not understood to me. And it could come down if it was, if it generally was due to some type of contract thing. It, it is about availability then because they're trying to protect their investment. So I don't know. I don't have a problem with 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 that as much as a lot of other people do. My only counter to that, Dan, is because I can see the logic you laid out, but you said, is Amari Cooper worth $20 million? I think absolutely, because the market for that changed significantly over the course of the offseason, and, and they forecast that very incorrectly. $20 million for a receiver of Amari Cooper's caliber is a bargain now, and and they misunderstood that. And they, I mean, the argument that they wouldn't be able to afford their current team is invalid because they could fit Amari Cooper under their salary cap at the moment easily. And so, I mean, that, that to me is, is if they if they made one true mistake, because you can argue that the, the Randy Gregor and the Lyle Collins things are just matters of opinion, but the Amari Cooper, th- and even fine, like deciding you don't want him, that is a matter of opinion. But misevaluating the receiver market was a huge mistake that really costed them in several senses over the course of the offseason uh, to get caught up here joey stewart awarded tom five points a new rule that i'm making up the maximum amount of points that somebody can award in the comment section to a btb is five so we don't get away from ourselves so tom you do get all five of those points i just don't want people coming out handing seven ten points and, and and putting too big of a gap but tom is currently sitting on 19 points tony paul i've got you down for and Dan, I've got you all down for 12, uh, so it's anybody's game at this point. Uh, Philip Bray says, I hate this, but what about the kicker? Uh, one game, one kick, make or break the season. Are we all in agreement that Jonathan Garibay is the Cowboys kicker right now? We feel pretty confident in that? His job to lose. Yes, that's the yeah. way to put it. Okay, good. Uh, let's move on. Dan, you touched on this subject. I'm not going to give you any points for it, uh, but this this is not anything related to the press conference, but related to the training camp as a whole. It is our first roundtable of camp after all. So I just open question. Whoever wants it, take it. Who is the Dallas Cowboys swing tackle? Because I cover this team for a living, and I have no idea. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think I know. I think it's probably Josh Ball. Uh, but, but, I mean... I don't. And I will say, Stephen Jones mentioned young players that the team is excited about. Uh, he specifically brought up CeeDee Lamb. I think we're all in agreement with that. He mentioned Tyler Smith. He mentioned not just Josh Ball, but Matt Willetsko, who was drafted in the fifth round this year. Uh, he mentioned Dorrance Armstrong, who we know his his father Jerry uh, has has quite a, a, a bit of love for. Uh, but so, who is the who is the swing tackle for the Dallas Cowboys? Because it's it's not an obvious answer. I don't think. I, I don't think, think they know. Um, whoa, I, whoa, guys. We have rules and order around here. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I heard Tom. Let's go Tom, Tony, Paul, Dan in that order. Yeah. I think he may not be on the roster yet. I think if there's anything that, that can pry some of that cap space away from Stephen Jones, it's if they get into week three or four of training camp and they still don't have an answer at swing tackle, they'll be out signing somebody. And I think we're going to see some guys come in for tryouts trickling through there. Uh, they also may be looking at like linebacker and wide receiver depth. But swing tackle to me is one they've got to get sorted out because we know Tyron Smith's history, and they're going to need something there that will not just let this team fall apart. Okay, Tony. So Tom's answer is is out is name TBD. Tom is a right in candidate. Tony, who do you got? Yeah, you know, um, Kyle Humans was on our show, and and he mentioned that's what he thought as well. He thought that this the the 
swing tackle wasn't on the roster. And I think the the answer to the question is I don't think the Cowboys have any idea either. I think um I think Josh Ball is a mystery. I think him having that red shirt year is interesting. It's a wrinkle in this that like I don't know what his development is. I don't even know what to expect from him to come out here. Like is he if he comes out there and he's stonewalling people, it's like okay, they may have hit on him. But then there's a lot of people that are feel really good about well let's go and his development for a late round draft pick. So there's some people that think that it's his job to lose and um and i think the my answer if i had to ask it would probably be off the roster as well i think they need to find a veteran they have a 20 million dollar cushion and this is the exact position you would put yourself in to to bring somebody in to make you feel a little better about the spot all right we've got two for ride in paul uh, yeah to be honest like what tom was saying earlier i would actually even award 10 points for that statement okay <laughs> um, two more points for tom no, we're uh, up to uh, 22 uh, 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 it's a, it's a good point, um, but uh, if you're if I'm going to based on this, based on athleticism, you have the guy like Willetsko, like the guy's RAC store going into the draft was off the charts. Um, but yeah, a uh, but, but Josh Ball was definitely a bit more of a mauler in a way. But if one one guy we've not actually talked about, and you could say he has more of a He's been put more put on more guard, but he can play tackle as well. And as Isaac Aracon as well, no one's talked about him. He's that type of guy he can move different parts of the O line. So who knows? It could be him as well. Okay, so we've got to vote for Isaac Alarcon. Didn't anticipate that. That's what makes the round table the round table. Danny Phantom. I, uh, I give I give a point. I give a point to Paul for bringing up Isaac. Hey. Look at this. The points are raining back and forth. I love this. Okay, Danny. I, I think you guys are so close to being right. And uh, so I'm going to try to reel it in a little bit. And uh, so first off, I, I think that we don't have any idea what, what's going on with the swing tackle position. But I, I believe the Cowboys have this heightened level of belief in what they have. In the, now, I don't, I'm not saying it's right, but I think they believe in their players. And and because of the decisions they made, I think that they believe in Josh Ball. Um, I like Matt Willetsko, and I do agree that he. I think he's the more athletic, the bigger, you know, and, and the high character guy, very coachable. I think he, I, I don't think it'll be long before he's in the mix in this. But I think they went into this whole draft and with with Josh Ball and another guy we'll bring up too. And, and um, like Paul, I think was uh, real close because I, I think Avante Collins might be somebody who they see a floor. In him, it's like that they think that if worst case scenario, we could get by with this guy because you know that look what they did with Terrence Still and look what they did with Brandon Knight. I mean, so I think that there's the Cowboys, they believe that they can coach these players to handle the swing position. And it, it may be an outside guy, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, I feel like they would have done more if they if they if they were really concerned and, and they haven't. So this makes me feel they really like what they have. I think everybody would say that they're less willing to trust them, Dan, than you are. It's, it's kind of the, the like genesis of the disagreement. Um, I think you're all wrong, to be very fair here, all right? Because I've been thinking about it more. I've been listening to your answers. Um, and again, I you know, think you're all wrong. So we just wasted a bunch of time. Tell me tell me if this sounds ridiculous. I'd love to hear. I think, I think it's Tyler Smith. I, I mean, t- tell me if Tyron Smith is out for a game that they don't believe in their – I mean, I think we all think that they clearly believe that Tyler Smith is Tyron Smith 
reincarnated, right? They have found the 20-year-old version of Tyron Smith in the body of Tyler Smith. And if, if they truly want to go best five, which is a methodology we know that they have, have used and, and obviously implemented in the past, you go from left to right, Tyler Smith, Connor McGovern, and then the rest of your offensive line. And I, could, could anybody not see that happening? I, again, I think, I'm not advocating for that necessarily, but like, could anybody not see the Cowboys doing that? I think you're ridiculous, RJ. I think uh, <laughs> somebody somebody on the show said, I don't know if I have as much faith in Tyler Smith, you know, as you do. And and you know what? That was that was one of the smartest things you said today. And you're right. But now imagine him playing tackle. So. Uh, no, I'm, I think I'm not, again. Good. I'm not saying it's a good idea, but like, tell me that. I mean, we're trying to, to smell what the team is cooking. That's what I'm okay, trying but, to do here. Like, can, so here, does nobody think right. that they're cooking that in their kitchen? No, but here's here's why I don't think so, and I think because that he was drafted. I really felt that they they may think that now, and they may ho- have hopes for that now, but I don't think that like they were going in there to say, "Well, we're just going to draft Tyler Smith." I feel like they were confident before, so that's why Tyler Smith is not really, you know, in the mix there with as far as what the Cowboys think right now. Have, haven't they even mentioned that they don't like to make two moves for one? So by moving Tyler Smith, you're really displacing sure. two positions for one. And so it's Again, like, I'm, yeah, I think. I'm the- not saying this is a great idea, but we, they have hyped up Tyler Smith and his, his kick out eventually to left tackle i mean could we not i mean they, i i could again i'm living more in the world of like what they will sell and they'll be like hey we we trust this guy that's why we drafted him because we know he can do it i agree with you tony generally from a philosophical standpoint but i mean i would if if they were truly that i don't even want to say forward thinking then they wouldn't be in this bind right now where we all have this massive amount of, mis- of mystery in, in terms of who the swing tackle really is going to be and and i just think it might be possible that they won't just have one backup tackle. They might have to carry two on the roster just to try to find a, a workable answer if something should happen. And, uh, and, and to that point, Tom, I just want to say is with Waletsko and Ball, they they don't even have to. I mean, they could have a specialized left tackle swing mm-hmm. and a right tackle because of the flex of Terrence Still. So that's one thing that they could, those guys can just concentrate on that one position. Mm-hmm. So you're right. There could be two two guys that will be, depending on who – who gets hurt, you know, as your talent comes in. Jennifer says, well, let's go is going to be the swing. At least that's what they're thinking. I mean, so if your choice is, and let's just live in that world, or let's live in Jennifer's world here. Would, would you guys, I'm asking all of you, Paul, I think had an internet connection and that's why he's out for the moment. But would, what would you rather do? Well, let's go play swing, play left tackle against whoever, like pick the opponent or Tyler Smith kick out to left tackle, Connor McGovern play guard. What plan do you prefer hypothetically? The first one, I don't want, I don't want to do the two for, I don't, I don't like that. I agree. Does anybody I, I, like I, the yeah. idea of kicking Tyler out in that hypothetical? Or or is anybody willing to say it's opponent contingent? Maybe not even opponent I, contingent. Maybe weak contingent. Maybe it's the weak coming off the bye, something like that. Like, is somebody willing to say it's contingent on some factors? I, I feel like they've already tried that method before. Yeah. And the training camp may give us some clarity on this. If they start working Tyler out at tackle some, then we'll know that's where they're thinking. If he's spending all his time at guard, then I don't think they'll go that route. Two points for Tom. Way to go. All right. Uh, three points for Dan for, again, sticking by his guns. Dan has been the most, the, the strongest believer. Dan has had the most conviction tonight, um, and I admire that. Paul, I'll give you two points for coming back from the sneaky internet issues. It's always impressive to be able to handle on the fly. Tony, no points for anything right there. Just, you know, you got to earn them. That's all. Um, okay. Um, anybody have anything else they want to discuss before we hit any sort of, you know, closing statements or anything like that? Now is the time. Uh, I, I did want to say, 
Oh, I wanted to mention that you talk about they're not doing anything. And if you look at the positions, and Tom touched on this already, and we're, we are going to see this in camp. There are like, if, say, Jabril Cox isn't ready, and, and he may not be, and I, I expect them to kind of bring him along, you know, slowly. But, you know what, so what? I mean, if, if, they, if they have problems, look how many, you got Quan Alexander, you got, well, you got Anthony Hitchens, you know, there's a lot, there's Joe Schober, there's, there's a lot of guys that know how to tackle people, and you're going to get them for, for real cheap. So they can react to that when the time comes, and I think that's what camp will show us. So I think that there's still time for the Cowboys to kind of fill up that depth a little bit that Tony's worried about it. So, I mean, so I'm just not worried about it not happening yet. I think Dan's absolutely right in the sense that they're going to lean on the first choice being, let's save our money. Let's see what we got. They're going to give them ample time to try to win jobs and impress people, right? Because they can fool themselves in a week or two of camp that we don't need to add this. This guy's great. And I think, you know, ultimately that's what they're going to do. And if it, and I would love for them to be honest with themselves. And if they have to add somebody they make the right decision and hopefully it's not too late. Yeah, try and not uh, sugarcoat it, essentially. I um I want to exactly. close with with something, and we can get everybody's thoughts here, and then we'll we'll kind of tabulate through the winners here. I haven't read this article yet myself, but Charles Robinson of Yahoo, one of the NFL's um you know most foremost insiders, this is the opening line to his write up, his most recent write up, and he's obviously very well connected to the Cowboys. Uh, was at Cowboys camp today, it seems. Okay, just gonna read it to you guys. Uh, go, but go read it. The Dallas Cowboys official 2022 training camp kicked off on a stage perched under gray clouds and described in similarly gray tones. But when Jerry Jones finally stopped talking on Tuesday, the path forward had steered into 100% visibility or to borrow Jerry's term, viability for head coach Mike McCarthy. This is the real kicker part. As the Cowboys push forward, McCarthy has got the backing of owner Jerry Jones right into a corner of sorts. Do we agree that, that Mike McCarthy is, I mean, people have said this in different ways. Um, is, is, is this that, I mean, is, is, it does feel like the, the ownership, the front office group, however you want to put it, like they are squarely, not just pointing, but heightening the pressure that is on Mike McCarthy. They are setting him up to be their fall guy is our kind of closing point where you can all tie in your closing arguments. The floor is yours. Points are up for grabs. It doesn't sound like uh, that they just have no trust in McCarthy at all, essentially. And uh, I loved the description you were talking about the Grey Skies. It sounded as though you were talking about Castle Greystroll there. So I love that, RJ. So, um, but yeah, it, it really just sounds like the Jones family are just like having that distance from McCarthy in a way. And just, uh, it, it just. Yeah, it was really it, uncomfortable. It, it, it feels like a couple where they're already like checked out. Like they're, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like they're men, they're mentally out on this. You know what I mean. This relationship with McCarthy. That's those are the vibes I get. So I'm, I'm with you, Paul. A couple points to you. Yeah, and it, it feels like Jerry has to caveat everything to death when he's talking about the head coach, and it just, yeah, I think they're they're setting the stage for pushing McCarthy if things go at all bad this year. And it I, feels I like to your, think... to your point, to your point, Tom, it's like, like somebody, you know, um, I'm going to butcher Lord of the Rings, but it's like, like when Gandalf is like, I can't take the ring, you know, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> somebody has to take this ring and it can't be me. So Frodo, you're the only other person here. I guess it's you like it's process of elimination. Like it kind of feels like that's the, the situation that, that we're kind of watching unfold with the Cowboys. Uh, Dan, you can go next and then Tony, you can close this off. Yeah, I, I don't agree. I mean, I hate disagreeing with you guys all, so much, but uh, I, I feel that like doesn't seem to be the case, Dan. But go ahead. 
No, but hey, that's what I'm telling you. No. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of like the 2014 season when, you know, you know, Jason's coming off three straight eight and eight. And it's like, oh, you know, we all expected him to be gone. And then then they they uh, released Demarcus Ware, you know, to and it's just like, all right, now they're just like setting him up for failure. He has no chance and everything. And of course, they had one of their better, better seasons, you know, in 2014. So I, I the Cowboys, they believe in themselves. They, they believe in this team. They're not trying to set McCarthy up or just like, okay, this is going to just implode and then you're going to be a fall guy and then we'll, we got other options. It's they believe that they are going to win. They believe this is a great football team. Now, whether it's true or not is we don't know, but they really believe this and they be, and they, they think McCarthy is going to be their guy until he's not. And that may happen next year, but I just, I don't think that they're just like, you know, almost like a lame duck type city. It's like, you know what, this is a, we're, we're, we're prepared to, to have a bad season and then we'll cut you loose and then move on. Tony, uh, I'm going to set you up this way. I love you. And I know I call you the biggest homer on our show sometimes. And I promise that what I'm about to say is a compliment. I know that some people might misconstrue it. You, you give me George from Seinfeld vibes sometimes, like the way you kind of, you're some, you're, you're just kind of matter of fact approach to a lot of things. Um, and what Dan just described is the classicality from, from George Costanza, right? Like that's like Dan is saying, look, I don't know if it's true or not, but I, Dan, I think we all agree with you. We believe that they believe these things it's we're questioning why they believe them is is where we're all coming from here uh so so tony do do you agree with that that the cowboys have have convinced themselves of whatever potential false reality lies ahead of them including um whether or not mike mccarthy is a part of that in the future yeah you know first off i'm a big seinfeld guy i do relate to george a lot it's the glasses that's really what it's all it is it's the glasses (laughs) that george is you know that's my guy but uh but yeah i think they i mean there isn't been a team in the history of the NFL that's ever got up open training camp and said, yeah, you know, hoping to win a couple football games here, you know, hopefully we can get, you know, everyone's going to tell you that they think they're going to win the championship. And, you know, my whole thing is, is the people that Jerry Jones really like loves respects and admires and wants to go to bat for, he goes to bat for them. And I felt like at few times this off season, because Mike McCarthy has been fighting for his life since February in the media. It's he's, He's had so many chances to be like, and even today, like he started off by saying like, let me just address this. Let me get this out of the way. And then still left you with a, like a, damn, that wasn't really much of an endorsement there. So it's, he's kind of left them hanging a little bit. And ultimately, you know, Mike McCarthy is going to give you the coach talk. Steven Jones is going to give you the pie talk and Jerry Jones is going to say something, you know? So ultimately when you, when they talk and they do their thing, you feel you feel like you should feel good about it, and you say like I don't know what they said, but it sounded good, and then you end up going I don't know maybe they go twelve and five. So and for me, I think they believe it, or at least like you said, they're gonna you know it's not a lie unless you believe it. I mean, if you believe it. So hey, we'll see. <laughs> um, to your point, Tony, and it's not just Jerry Jones that will go to bat. It's the Cowboys. The Cowboys will for to a fault, you know, have have the backs of people who who they love deeply, whom whom they love, who they love, whatever. Um, and, and and Tom, I, I saw you interact with this tweet of mine. Stephen Jones said nobody or, or we. What was the the line, Tom? Nobody believes in Zeke Elliott more than than we do, more than this organization. Yeah. And and you, Tom, like a lot of people that respond to the tweet, were like, we know, like <laughs> like, like we're we are very aware of that. Right. And and so to that point, Tony, like they have Zeke's back, like feed Zeke, you know, Zeke who they will do anything. They will move heaven and earth 
for Zeke because he's one of their guys. They don't treat Mike McCarthy the same way, um, which which is a little bit indicative of, of you know, maybe the, the bigger picture. But uh, speaking of the bigger picture, it's time to tie a bow on the first roundtable of the season. A very heavily contested battle. A hats off to, to all four of our competitors here today. Tony Catalina on Twitter at Tony underscore Catalina. Tom is at Tom Ryle BTB. Dan is at Danny Phantom 24. Paul is at IMP Stu. Once again, you can hear all of them on different days on the Blog of the Boys podcast network. So make sure you subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. Um, in last place, we had a tie. It was actually a tie for third place. Dan and Paul, 21 points apiece. Speaking of Zeke Elliott, um, not enough, but you guys get to split the bronze medal. I don't know if you want to go 50-50 or have like jagged pieces and, and be like best friends where, where they meet. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's up to you guys, however you want to handle that. With 22 points uh, for, for the NFL's all-time leading rusher, Emmett Smith, Tony Catalina, uh, hailing from Martha's Vineyard, I think. I'm not exactly sure of Tony's latitude and longitude coordinates, but it's it's in that neck of the woods. Uh, but shout out Tony Costanza, uh, 22 points. Not good enough, though. You do get to take home the silver. Our gold medalist, the most points by far from the crowd, the most points by far from his peers, the most points by far, I'm sure, from himself, the one and only veteran master grand supreme tom ryle 25 points a quarter of a c-note tom what do you have to say for yourself you took home the first round table win of the season no one is more shocked than i am (laughs) this was an objective process it's it's an objective mathematical democratic process tom how it's always been around here so um who do you want to thank the most I just want to thank the people that listened in, man. I just uh, love to have some people paying attention to our miscellaneous ramblings here. And here's hoping we have a lot more of these and have a lot of fun. To that point, AJ, I'm going to try my hardest to pronounce it. Narasimhan uh, says, good stuff, fellas. Just subscribed. If you haven't yet and you're watching, whether live or after the fact, please do subscribe here to the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel. Once again, subscribe to the Blog of the Boys podcast network. Leave a rating, write a review. Make sure you check out blogontheboys.com. Follow all of these fine gentlemen uh, on Twitter and really just find their home addresses and, and stock them and, and go go leave them, um, you know, send them Tiff's treats or um, crumble cookies, whatever the case may be. You know, everybody, everybody needs that kind of pick me up uh might be a bit of an international charge for paul but we'll we'll get that squared away um so as we close tony give us a poem uh two lines and they have to rhyme with one another it can be about any subject you want in this world it can be the cowboys it can be food it can be culture it can be politics religion whatever you want my friend roses are red violets are blue (laughs) stephen jones is feeding us pie what else can you do (laughs) 